Father, thank you for your plan for us. Thank you for your Son. Thank you for that hope that is in our heart forever. For that eternal security that we talked about a couple of weeks, that guarantee of the Holy Spirit that you've given to us all as we understand grace for our lives. Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear what you want to say this morning from your word. Thank you for loving us again. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, we find ourselves in a series, right, that uh, what you think matters. And this morning I want to talk about grace. What you think about grace matters. And it's something that uh, I have been around all my life. Uh, my mom was born into, and I was then subsequently born into, a Grace Brethren Church. And so the word grace is in my heritage. I don't know anything but. Uh, I've never understood anything but that. Uh, I've always had the luxury of reading the Word through that lens to be brought up that way and to study it and to know it. And I will say that the Word didn't mean the same thing then that it does mean now to me. Because as I grow and I understand the depth of the Word, it's hard not to be changed. Grace is one of those words that penetrates you. <laughs> the more you read it, the more you study it, the more you understand it, it is the Word that should penetrate your heart. As you understand what grace means for your life. One of the few verses that, that I remember hearing all the time growing up, we've used it here a long time, and it's, it's where I get the phrase, this is what we get to do. These verses out of Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 are going to be verses that we're going to look at for the next two weeks. Okay. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no man can boast. For we are God's handiwork, or workmanship is what I grew up memorizing, created in Christ Jesus to do good works prepared in advance for us to do. This is what we get to do. We have been given grace through faith, and God has already crafted us to be on mission for Him in His plan. And every day He has laid out the day ahead of us and prepared good works in advance for us to do. That's why I wear this shirt. It used to be my literal job to maintain Grace College. That's what my job was through college and through seminary and in, into my adult life. And as I left the college and they gave me a couple of the shirts, I thought, man, this is pretty neat that I get to do grace maintenance the rest of my life. This is what I want to be about. That I want to maintain grace in my personal life, in my relationship with God and my relationship with others, and to introduce people with the most important thing they will ever learn. And that's that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again 
to secure on your behalf grace for eternity. It's the most important thing I could ever teach. It is the central piece of the Gospel to understand who Jesus is and what it means for our life. So as we read these few verses over the next couple of weeks, I want to look at what it means to understand grace and faith separately and then how to put them together. In John chapter 1, verses 14 to 16, you're, you're going to remember this passage as a passage that you hear a lot around Christmas time, right? That the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning Him. He cried out, saying, This is the one that I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me surpassed me, because he was before me. So John is saying, I recognize this man who has come now in the flesh as Jesus as one that will surpass me in my earthly abilities because He's God. He always has been. He was there before me. And out of His fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. Because of Jesus... There was already grace there from the Father. If you read the Old Testament, it's there. As you look at the garden, and He wants to walk with His creation, and they turn their back on Him, right? They hide from Him. Adam and Eve hide from God, and yet there's grace because He says, I'm going to set you outside of this ideal place, but I still want a relationship with you. That grace was already there. And Jesus then becomes grace in the place of grace that was already given. It was grace upon grace, if you read the older versions. To receive grace upon grace is to understand what it means to know who Jesus is and what He meant for this world. Out of His fullness, His overflowing nature of grace and truth, it pours into our lives more grace than we can hold. One of the ways that my view of grace has changed is that I used to try to, to catch it all in my life. right? Store it up for later. Because I might need it. <laughs> I might need it for myself. Right? I might do something really stupid on Wednesday and i got to keep this cup of grace over here just in case. What I've learned is that every morning it's new. As long as I'm willing to admit that I need a Savior. It's there. And it's more than I need. The opportunity that I have to do that every day 
is what grace upon grace looks like now to me. So instead of at the end of every day worrying about how much I have for the next day, I think about how much do I get to give away today. <laughs> how do I let it overflow into the lives of people around me? How gracious do I allow God's grace to make me in the face of the world? How do I maintain the grace that I steward? Because that's really all it is. We're just stewarding something that's not from us. We're, we're a vessel that has the opportunity to pass grace upon grace on to other people. It's something that our world desperately needs right now in a concept. <laughs> How to be graceful with one another. Jesus died and became sin for us to receive that grace. If you really understand that at its core, if you really believe it and understand it on a daily basis, how much grace you've been given in that one act of time, it will change the way you live every day. It will penetrate your heart. and make you a more gracious person for having received grace. I'm going to look at Luke chapter 15 for the remaining time, and it's a story. There's three stories in this chapter. They're the parable of lost things, right? There's the coin, there's the parable of the lost sheep, and then there's the lost son, the prodigal son as you would know it. And I went into this thinking, because we've used this story before, because in my mind I, I, I can't help but, but be in the place of all of these participants at one point or another in my life, right? And today I want you to understand why Jesus told this story about a father because that's where this story comes from. He's telling this story about a father that knows what it means to give grace upon grace. And I thought of this phrase that the effort we spend in pursuing something is directly proportionate to the value that we've already ascribed to it. The effort that we spend in pursuing something is directly proportionate to the time and the value that we have already ascribed to it. So if we value something greatly, we will spend a lot of time looking for it if we lose it, right? You lose a penny in the supermarket, you're not going to waste your time looking around, right? You drop your wallet in the, in the, in the parking lot, you're looking around. The value that we ascribe to things will reveal itself and how, how much we miss it when it's gone. And this Father, in Luke chapter 15, it says Jesus continued in verse 11 there. Luke 15, 11. 
that there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he decided, he divided his property between them. Right away, we see this father in a situation where the son says, Dad, I want what's mine now. And your gut reaction as a dad is saying, son, you're not ready for it. (laughs) I know what you're thinking. And it's not good. But Jesus is telling this story again, right? And the Father takes on a slightly different trajectory. The Father divides all that He has and is gracious with His Son from the beginning. He says, Son, this is what's yours. And He lets Him do with it what He knows He's going to do. We know the story if you understand it. You don't even have to read the Bible to know the story of the prodigal son, right? It's been used over and over in different movies and all kinds of stories and things like that as a backdrop. The son goes into a faraway city, he takes all the money and he blows it, right? Just so you know in context, Jesus talking to a Jewish community went to the absolute lowest place he could with this boy, a boy of Jewish descent feeding pigs. It was the lowest place this this kid could end up in this country. His dad knew he wasn't going to stop him, right? So as I started to think about this, I've thought about it in all the different perspectives, but now I'm at a place where my oldest daughter is going to graduate college, my younger, my middle son is going to be graduating high school, and it's time to start thinking like a dad maybe. <laughs> and if I'm presented in this situation, what, what happens? How hard do I hold on? How hard do I wrestle with them in their will? (laughs) At what point do I just extend grace and pray that God has it under control? This fella seemed to get that. Jesus knew, and again, He's telling the story, and it helps that He knows everything, (laughs) I'm sure. We know the boy squanders it. And the first illustration then for whoever is out here listening today is what will you do with grace? As the Father administers grace and says, I'm going to allow you to do what you want. I'm going to be gracious and give this to you. What what would you do with it? As you've been given your portion of grace, what have you done with it? 
The boy squanders it and he finds himself in the lowest place he could. And then he looks around and says, wait a minute, I can go back, I can beg forgiveness, right? And I can be one of my father's hired servants. And so in verse 20, verse 20 of Luke 15, He got up and he went back to his father, this gracious man, and while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. That doesn't sound like mercy. That doesn't sound like just the forgiveness that the son had hoped for. That's grace. That's receiving what you don't deserve. That's an opportunity again to understand what the Heavenly Father did for us through Jesus. As Jesus is telling this story about His Father. About each one of us. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard the music and the dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come home, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The father has been gracious again to the son as he returns from his exploits. He's in the house partying and celebrating being back. He was lost. He is found. And the older brother shows up, right? And I'm the older brother. I got a, I got a younger brother and that's it. It's just the two of us. If you're the older sibling, you know you probably think you did it all right. <laughs> So the older brother is standing there in shock watching his father be gracious again. Right? We know later, we're going to hear he's let this fester for a long time, but but you understand that he watched his younger brother take the inheritance and run, and now he's back and everything's good. Dad's got him in the, in the house, 
with the best food they've got. And Jesus is saying, grace upon grace. Out of the fullness of My grace, grace upon grace. He's telling those that are all listening to this story, this is a pretty important lesson. The question here is what will you do when you see grace given to someone that you don't believe deserves it? It's probably already happened at some point in your life, right? Maybe you have had to give grace in a situation that you don't feel like they deserved it, but doggone it, I'm going to be the bigger man. Right? You bite your bottom lip and fight your way through it. It's nothing new. Jesus is telling this story (laughs) in the first century about these kinds of family relationships and the dynamics that grace plays in our relationships with other people and how important it is to be generous with it. To allow yourself to give out of the overflow of what you possess to someone else's life. This father didn't have to react that way. (laughs) But he's already shown grace upon grace. And now, the father finds out about the older brother. And we read on in verse 28, the older brother became angry, refused to go in. And so his father went out to him. And he pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. And the father says, My son, you are always with me. As I picture this, I see dad grabbing the kid by the sides of the head and looking in his eyes, right? You understand, like, you are always with me. God the Father looking in your eyes saying, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. We had to be generous with our grace because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. He understands grace. The father gets it. The son is struggling with it. Because he's afraid they're going to have to divide the property again, right? And dad says, listen, 
I've given Him grace, but all that I have is yours. You've got nothing to worry about, but He was dead and now He's alive. He was lost and He's found. We at least have to celebrate that He's back. Because Jesus is full of grace. And out of His fullness, there is grace in the place of grace already given. And I am so thankful. Do you recognize the amount of grace in your life? Have you taken a moment to just breathe it in? Just look at the surroundings we are in. This doesn't happen in most of the world, folks. This doesn't happen all over the country. <laughs> We have been given grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And if we don't ever recognize that, then this story will never make sense to you. Paul tells us in Colossians 4, 2-6. It's one of my favorite passages. Because it's so practical. Devote yourselves to prayer. Being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. And let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Devote yourselves to prayer. Look around you is what he's saying. Be in prayer. Be in relationship with God and open your eyes to what's going on around you. Be watchful. Care about other people. Make the most of every opportunity that you have to extend grace. Make sure your conversation is full of it. Does that sound like our current climate? We will be different 
if we are just full of grace in our conversation. If we allow our ears to be utilized in a conversation. We have the opportunity to extend grace upon grace that simply. to just look around you, devote yourself to prayer, continue to ask God for the opportunities that He's already laid out in advance for you to do, right? And understand that by grace, through faith, you've been saved. And maybe somebody else will have the opportunity to understand grace for the first time. To understand how it works. To have the assurance that it'll be there tomorrow. It was even here in a leap year. Are you willing to give out of the abundance of grace that God the Father has already provided for you. Whatever that looks like. Are you willing to mature in such a way that you understand grace more completely leaving here this morning than you did when you walked in? I was honest. When I was younger, I seriously thought, man, I've got to figure out a way to to capture this grace, because I might need it. <laughs> to foster goodwill with people so that when I do screw up, I have that grace between relationships, right? <laughs> Jesus tells me that His Father sent Him to earth so that there would be a never-ending supply. That out of the fullness of Jesus, there's grace upon grace. It's up to you what you do with it on a daily basis. How you utilize it, how you allow it to heal your heart and your mind and your soul, and how you extend it to others. incredibly important that you understand its value to your life and it will be directly proportionate to how hard you pursue it in the lives of others. Father, thank You for Your grace. Lord, that You made a way for us to have a relationship with You as this Father had with His sons. That You illustrate it so beautifully that no matter where we find ourselves, there is always grace to be given for the situation, forgiveness, Father, I pray that we would remember that. 
that we would also remember that there is never anyone that is too far outside of Your grace. (laughs) That we need to apply grace in and out of our daily lives like we really understand it's never going to run out. That we truly grasp that in our own lives. Father, thank You for the opportunity to do that. Thank You for preparing good works in advance for us to do. In Jesus' name. Amen.